All right, well, we are beginning a new series. So our series is called What We Believe, and it is the what, where, and why of our church beliefs, okay? So what this is, is it's an opportunity for us to study the Grace Church of DuPage doctrinal statement. Now that might sound like torture, but it's actually going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be good, okay? We want to know what our church actually believes. And so to kick us off, I have this picture for you, okay? So we want to start, yeah, we want to start with the question of why would it be important for a church to write down what they believe? So this last week, I had an experience of walking into a church um, in our neighborhood, right around the corner from us, and this poster is what meets you when you walk in the door. So you walk in the door, and you see a big poster that says, coexist. If you didn't know that's what it said, that's what it says. And it says, the world is big enough for different values to coexist. Okay? So, first question for us this morning. What would you think about a church like this one, where you walk into uh, the room, and the first thing you see is this poster? What is this church maybe telling you about itself? What's it trying to communicate about itself? Students, thoughts, answers. Yes? So I didn't hear the last part. Did you? It doesn't matter what you value. Yeah, just doesn't really matter what you value, okay? So not a strong statement of here's what you should value, not value. Good. Anything else? Yeah? Yeah, focus on what you believe, let other people believe what they believe. I mean, clearly that's being communicated by we have this sign, do you guys know what this is representing? Islam, Islam okay. And then we've kind of got the peace sign, I guess, for hippies and peace and that good stuff. Um, I, I should have refreshed myself on all these signs before I started this. I'm not really sure. I mean, we've got kind of the male and female thing going on, right? And maybe that's the equality for different genders and stuff. We've got the Star of David here. This is... Maybe. What? Wiccan. The Wiccan, yeah. Wiccan. We've got the yin and yang. We've got a cross. And just because some of these other signs didn't really work in the word, they threw them in here too. So we've got a lot of different things here. Now what's interesting about a sign like this is do all of these values... Do you think... Let me put it this way. Do you think everyone that's represented up here on this poster would agree with this statement? No. Not necessarily, okay? There's a lot of signs up here that wouldn't agree with other signs that are on there, okay? So this church, we would put kind of on more like the opposite end of the spectrum from our church, okay? In other words, their stance is it doesn't really matter what you believe, as long as you get along and we all can get along here. That's kind of the idea that's being communicated, okay? So Grace Church, on the other hand, has a doctrinal statement that says, here's what we believe. And at the foundation of that, there's a big difference in the understanding of truth, that there's something worth believing out there, 
okay? And that it's true. This would be more on the end of the spectrum that would suggest maybe there isn't truth. Maybe it's okay just for everyone to believe what they believe because there isn't real any definitive truth that would say what is right and what is wrong, okay? So that's just to get our wheels turning a little bit as to why we would have a doctrinal statement, okay? Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to do a lot of work today and actually in this whole series in groups, okay? Um, and so I want you guys to get into six groups. Can I have my seniors stand up really quick? Seniors, assemble. One, two, three, four, five. Wait, one, two, three, four, five, six. Perfect. Okay. Seniors, disassemble. Spread yourselves out. And then you guys can form six groups with these six seniors. Don't make them feel lonely. Ready, set, go. All the boys cannot go with Adam. That's going to be too many people. All right, so in your groups, go ahead and start by discussing this question, okay? What is a doctrinal statement? Why would it be important for a church to have one? Okay? Starting with that question in your groups. Seniors, you are the facilitators of your group, so you are drawing out answers. All right, we're going to keep it flowing. All right, so you guys, what do you guys think? What is a doctrinal statement? Yes. Awesome, okay? The fundamental, foundational beliefs of a church. So if someone were to read it, they would know what you're about, okay? One of the first things you guys should do when it comes time for you to choose a church is you should go on their website, and every church should have some statement that says about us, usually. That's kind of where it is, like the about us tab. And they should have something that says what we believe or what we're about or what our groove is, or whatever, however they, they put it, okay? And for example, like the church that had this poster, I went on their website this morning, and I went, and I couldn't find anywhere a tab that said what we believe, right? Which is fitting, okay? Um, and so there's nothing there. Every church you go to, you should look at what they believe and what they're willing to put out there as their beliefs, okay? So a doctrinal statement is their beliefs, so why would it be important for a church to have one? Thoughts on that? Because if you don't have a foundation on the foundation on what you believe, then you have no basis on whether anything is you have no basis to say whether anything is right or wrong if you don't know what yourself, what your entire truth is. Yeah, so like what is this gathering about, right? Why are we coming together? What is it that draws us together that unifies us and what we actually are believing in, okay? Now, I should say that while this church didn't have a statement that said what we believe, they do have an opening paragraph on their website, and what their opening paragraph says is that we are a community 
that is welcome to everybody from every walk of life and whatever, I mean, they list a number of different things and anyone can be a member, anyone can be in the leadership of our church, just everyone is welcome. So that really is kind of their core value. And yet they are a Christian or under the banner of a, a Christian church, right? So that's what unifies them, is a welcoming stance to anybody from anything, no matter what you believe or feel or how you act, and you're all welcome, right? Um, for us, it would be found in this doctrinal statement, okay? And so our doctrinal statement is split up into, I think, seven categories, um, and we are going to be going through them in the weeks to come. First one being the Holy Scriptures, this is where our doctrinal statement starts. And so the next question I want you to ask in your group is this. Why do you think, let's see here, I think here. Why do you think our doctrinal statement begins with a discussion on what we believe about Scripture? So we're going to go on to talk about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the church, man, salvation, what happens at the end of times. Why put Holy Scriptures first? That's your question. <laughs> All right, what do you guys think? Any answers out there? Why begin with Scripture? How about guys in the back? Any thoughts? Yeah, Dalen? Because it's God's Word? Good. That's a good answer. What else would we add to that? Why would we begin with Scripture? So we're beginning with God's Word, an explanation of that. Yeah? Awesome. So we're going to say because it's the source of truth, everything we believe has to be built on this foundation. And this is super important for you guys, not only in church, but in all of life, to understand that everybody is drawing upon some source as their foundation for what they think and what they believe. Okay, let me say that again. Everybody, your atheist friend at school, Okay, the Muslim next door, those at this church, the people at the church that I'm talking about it's with the poster, everybody has a foundation from which they are drawing their view of what is true, what is right, what is wrong, and what is worth believing. Okay, so at our church, we say that foundation is Scripture. So we can't even start talking about who God is, who Jesus is, what the church is, unless we lay that foundation really clearly and say, here's where we're getting our facts. And so one thing that you should do as a church member, whether you're a church member at this church or some other church, is you should always be asking the question, where does scripture say that? Is this what scripture teaches? And a good pastor should tell you don't take my word for it. Do it because the Bible says it. So if you are ever in question about something your pastor says or your small group leader says or someone who says they're a Christian at your school says, the answer is very easy. Go to Scripture and see if Scripture says it. Okay? So Scripture is our foundation. It's the basis. And so every time we do one of these lessons, what we're going to do is we're going to start by introducing the lesson like we did today, and then we're going to go to... Scripture. <laughs> and we're going to say, what does Scripture say? So today's topic is Scripture. So the question is, what does Scripture say about Scripture? Yeah. Okay? 
And so we're going to do that now. So I have a number of passages here that we're going to go to, and we're going to actually give each group a different passage, and it's your job to ask the question, what does Scripture say about Scripture? Okay? And so let's start up here, this group here. You guys can be 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17. You guys can be 2 Peter 1, 20 to 21. Guys there, you guys be the John 16 passage. In the very back, you guys can be John 17, 17. In the back corner there, you guys can be the 2 Peter 1 and the first. Actually, I'm going to give you guys in the back corner 2 Timothy, or sorry, 2 Peter 3, 15 and 16. And then Grace, your group is 1 Timothy 5.18. And then you guys are 1 Corinthians So let's go ahead and we're going to work our way through these passages. They're all super important, so I want you all to see them, okay? So we're going to start with our 2 Timothy passage. It's on the screen here, okay? And we're just going to try to pick out a few things that this is telling us about Scripture. So first of all, this passage says, and how from childhood, Paul's talking to Timothy, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Okay? So this is really important. This is probably one of the most important verses about scripture. Okay? I'm going to start making a list here. Okay, so what do you guys have for us? What does this tell us about Scripture? Okay, so he calls it the sacred writings is another word for Scripture. What else does it tell us? Throw it out there. Okay, so they can make you wise. Anything else? There's a lot of this verse. It's from God. Anything else? Make you wise in what way? Yeah. Another way of saying that is everything you need to be saved is in Scripture. Okay? else come to mind there? Good list? We could sum up the four words as get your life pointed towards righteousness. Okay. Now here's a big question because we want to be responsible in how we understand the Bible, okay? This is, this is a huge question to make sure we use this passage in the right way. What does Paul mean when he says all scripture is breathed out by God? Is he talking about the book that's in your hands right now? 
interpretation of this passage, okay? Here we go. Let's go to 2 Peter 1, 20 to 21. Peter is talking. He says, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, okay? What does this tell us about Scripture? And first of all, what kind of scripture is he talking about? We're going to go with the Old Testament again, okay? He's talking about the Old Testament. He's talking about prophecies that they would have had in that day from Isaiah and Jeremiah. And, and he's probably talking about more than just prophecies. He's probably talking about all of the Old Testament here, okay? The context kind of helps us to see that. All right? So what does he tell us about the Old Testament? That group. This was yours, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, people didn't make it up. Okay. It's not someone's own interpretation. Okay. It's not a person saying, here's what I think God is. Here's what I think God wants us to do. When you read the Old Testament, how many times do you read, thus says the Lord? It is God speaking through someone, okay? What else does it tell us? <coughs> well, everything, all the quote-unquote prophecies or interpretations, per se, were all from God. Like, God gave them to men through the Holy Spirit. Okay, so their source is God, but then what did you just say? Given, given by God through the Holy Spirit. Okay, given to who? To the people who wrote it. Yeah. To human authors through the Holy Spirit, okay? So this is important. It tells us how our book was written, okay? How the Bible was written. The Bible is not a book that someone went up to heaven and was handed and then took in their hands and walked down from heaven with it, okay? The Bible is not a book that was written by God possessing people, so their eyes kind of glazed over and they, uh, and they just wrote things out. The Bible contains the personalities of the authors. So when someone was writing, when Jeremiah was writing Jeremiah and when Isaiah was writing Isaiah, and they, they, they were given thoughts. They wrote down those thoughts using the words that they knew, 
using the way that they saw the world around them. So for example, you won't find any references or analogies in scripture to rocket ships or iPhones or TVs because it was being written by Jeremiah and Isaiah and Moses and they had no idea what those things were. Whereas if God had spoken scripture through someone in this day and age, they may very well have used the analogy of a rocket ship or an iPhone or a TV. Okay, so it's being written through humans, not in the like magical, they're, you know, in a trance, but so that they're actually using their own minds and their own thoughts to write their own words, which is God's word speaking through them. This is how we're getting it, okay? John 16, all right? I still have, this is Jesus, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Okay, so in that group, where are we talking about now kind of like the different part of scripture? We're talking about how the Old Testament works and how the New Testament's going to work. We're looking at the New Testament, how that's going to work now, right? Because Jesus is after the Old Testament. They've already got it there. And now what's Jesus basically telling them? What do we see here about Scripture? Just go ahead and throw it out if you got anything. just your understanding. When you say he guides your understanding, that says to me the Holy Spirit's going to help you understand this. Okay? Which is not wrong. That's true. But I think Jesus is saying something more than that. Whatever he hears, whatever the Spirit hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So what's going to happen? Holy Spirit's going to give you more scripture, guys. There's more to come. This is not the end of the story. There's more to be written. Okay? Does that make sense? So, so we already got this idea from Jesus that more is coming. And then we get to John 16, 15, I think. Is that real? Oh, no, that's just the last verse of yours. Sorry. All the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine, declare it to you. So, so the Father, through the Holy Spirit, is going to teach them, tell them more about Jesus, even after Jesus is gone. And then we get to John 17, 17. What does Jesus say in John 17, 17? Your word is truth. What did you guys take that to me? Not very hard. What's this telling us about scripture? Uh, It's true. Okay, so we've got your word is truth. Okay, and here we probably should put this into the Old Testament category. Jesus is talking about the word that they had at the time. And then we have, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Okay, wait. So now we're in skirting into more New Testament times. But here's Peter. Peter is talking about Paul. 
And he says, count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved Paul, brother Paul, also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, that they, uh, as they do the other scriptures. Okay, so what has Peter just said about Paul's letters? You guys have that one, right? Fill in the blank. They are scripture, okay? So Peter, writing to his church, he puts Paul in the category of scripture. What Paul writes, when he writes letters, it's scripture, okay? And then we get to 1 Timothy 5.18. This is kind of an outlier, but I helped you guys with it. This is Paul talking. Paul says, the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Where's that from? Deuteronomy. And the laborer deserves his wages. Where's that from? Luke. And who says it? Jesus says this. So now Paul is telling us what Jesus taught, what Jesus did is scripture. This is what the scriptures are. It involves everything from Jesus. Okay? Got Jesus here. And then one last group here. Paul, talking about himself, says this. Who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, letters, things we've written, things we're saying, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. So Paul is very clearly saying, I have God's authority in what I'm saying. This is what I'm writing to you is scripture, okay? So what scripture says about scripture is all that we've got in those verses. So now let's take a look at the Grace Church doctrinal statement, okay? So I've printed it out for each one of you guys. You guys can pass them around your groups here. Anybody need some more over here? You guys got enough? Got a couple extras over here. You guys need one more? Dave's got the extras there. Maybe. Oh, Brooks has got one. Okay. So let's go quickly here, guys. We got to move fast. But we're going to take those passages and we're going to see does our doctrinal statement line up with them? Okay. So that that really should be our question. Does our doctrinal statement line up? Well, let's read. And I'm going to throw in some comments as we go here, okay? We teach that the Bible is God's written revelation to humankind, and thus the 66 books of the Bible given to us by the Holy Spirit constitute the plenary or inspired equally in all parts word of God. What that means is we're saying the Bible in all 66 books are God's word equally. Not like John is worth a lot more than the Song of Solomon. They're all God's word. Not some of them are God's word. Other ones we're kind of not sure about. 
All of them. They're all God's word. We teach that the word of God is an objective propositional revelation verbally inspired in every word, absolutely inerrant in the original documents, infallible and God-breathed. So we say that that is inspired. That means it's from God originally through humans. It's infallible and inerrant, which means that the Bible is always telling the truth. You never need to worry that anything in the Bible is not true. That's what we mean by infallible, inerrant, and that it's God-breathed. God is the source of it, okay? So that's what we teach. We teach that the Bible constitutes the only infallible rule of faith and practice. So the key word here is only... So the Bible is enough on its own. We don't need other books or other sources or other revelations to help us know who God is and how we're supposed to live our lives, okay? We're going to do questions in just a minute here. We teach that God spoke in his written word by a process of dual authorship. The Holy Spirit so superintended the human authors that through their individual personalities and different styles of writing, they composed and recorded God's word to humankind. So this is telling us how we get the Bible. It's from God through his spirit at work in human authors. That's what we saw in that Peter passage. We teach that there is only one meaning of scripture, the meaning which the human author under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit intended his audience to hear. Therefore, equally, the meaning which the divine author, God, intended through the human author. We also teach that it is the responsibility of every believer diligently to seek out the true meaning and intent of Scripture. Therefore, we must attend carefully to the simplest and most natural, normal, and customary sense of the words from the author's original audience perspective, realizing the context, genre, or related passage of scripture may indicate that the words are being used in another manner. The hermeneutical, this hermeneutical method, which we refer to, refer to as the literal, grammatical, historical interpretation of scripture, is to be pursued in dependence upon the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit. Nothing in this hermeneutic, blah, blah, blah. blah. Okay, so the big idea here is <laughs> when you read the Bible, if your small group leader ever asks you, what does this passage mean to you? You should walk out of the room. Because it doesn't matter what the passage means to you. What matters is what the passage meant to the author when he wrote it. So we can't open a Bible and read a verse and say, this reminds me of this that happened to me yesterday and this must be what God's telling me because of that. No, you need to ask, what is the author trying to say here? That's the meaning of the Bible. Okay? Not what I feel like the meaning means, which means we need to understand what was life like in Bible times? What, what, what's happening in the story of Scripture? What is Paul writing about to the church that he's writing to? All these things help us to understand the meaning. The meaning is not just up for grabs for whoever wants to determine what it means. Then it says, we teach that Scripture is God's word for all generations. Only from the correct understanding of the intended meaning can we discover the commands which God gives us to obey and discern the fullness of God's truth which endures as relevant to, authoritative over, and applicable for our lives? The truth of Scripture forever stands in judgment of us. Never do we stand in judgment of it. So Scripture is not uh, something that we can discern which parts we want and which parts we don't want. 
But have you guys ever heard of the Jefferson Bible? The Jefferson Bible is Thomas Jefferson's Bible in which he took scissors and cut out the parts that he didn't think were reasonable. So for Thomas Jefferson, the rule of life was logic and reason. And when he read about the resurrection and when he read about miracles, he said, that doesn't lay on my foundation of truth. So I'm cutting them out so that I can get at what Jesus said about morals, but I don't want to have anything to do with this illogical stuff like miracles. What our statement is saying is, scripture is our foundation. We don't cut up scripture. Scripture cuts up us if we don't agree with it. Does that make sense? Okay. So that's what our, our, our doctrinal statement says about Scripture. And since we're almost out of time, I want to just close real quick, and then I can answer questions for those who can stick around if they need to. How often, and it's not that often, so I don't want to exaggerate, but there are times as a pastor when I sit across from someone who is in angst, and they're trying to decide what to do with their life in a very tough season of life, a particular situation. And I say, well, here, let me tell you what the word says in this passage. And there are times when I sit across from someone and they say, yeah, I get it, but I'm going to keep thinking about what I should do. Just think about that for a minute. Now we say, here's what God's word says is the right path at this point in life. And we say, hmm, that sounds tough. <laughs> I think I'm going to keep thinking and praying about what I should do. That's a more spiritual way of saying it. Well, you don't need to think and pray about what you should do if Scripture is telling you what to do. And how often do our Bibles, do we, do we value this book that God has given us? How often do we not take a look at it when we're trying to make a big decision in life? If God's word really is enough to lead us in salvation and to train us for righteousness and godliness... We should know what it says, right? We should study it. How often maybe we should say, do we say on coffee house night and on fun night, the first night of the month, oh, I'm going to go to the youth group this week. But on small group night, we say, ah, I kind of got a lot of homework. Not really worth it. Where are we putting the value of scripture in a decision like that? We ought to be Maybe even saying, Nick, I think maybe we should do small group a little more often. We really need to be in the word. We really need to know the stuff. So our prayer as we end today is this. Psalm 119, 18, open my eyes that I might see wonderful things out of your law. And that's what David is calling all of scripture at this point. We need to ask God, scripture is hard for us to understand. Would you open my eyes? So that it's not just a dusty old book on my shelf. It's something that is filling me up and is wonderful to me. So we're going to pray that way and then I'll answer any questions that we have, okay? And if you are serving in children's ministry, I know you got to go. That's okay. Our Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. And Lord, we do ask that you would open our eyes that we might see wonderful things out of your law. Lord, your word is truth as you've told us, as Jesus has told us. Lead us in what is true. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, any questions?